0: Yeah, because you, made, books, you, you know. made you forced him to pose next to a, a voting paper. You were the Prince
1: Andrew of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It's Friday, March 19th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, a master's student in civil engineering and first guest of Henkroll's uh, BMB. And with me today are Gordon Derek, contributing editor Dutch News and Cowhauser, and Molly Quell, contributing editor Dutch News and Stemble Yet Dog Bully. Yeah, Gordon, I think you can start because you insisted on this job title. Can you please explain us uh, what this is about? Did you get
2: a pet cow, Gordon?
1: I did not get a pet cow, oh, no. Oh,
2: that would have been... That's the, any other answer you have to this question is going to be disappointing, <laughs> now that I thought you had a pet cow.
0: I don't have a pet cow because I'm on Team House. This is a reference to the, uh, the last debate that was on Monday night, which was just excruciatingly dull, and I was just sitting there watching it <laughs> as a obligation... You know, it's a, I, I was watching it so no one else <laughs> had to. a professional to. obligation. Yeah,
2: we appreciated that.
0: As a sacrifice for the people, um, for, for the good readers of Dutch news and the, and the listeners to this podcast. But it was just excruciatingly boring. I think at one point I was close to hallucinating. And the, the, <laughs> the, the low point of it was uh, there was a debate between Jesse Klaver and Gert Jan uh, leaders of the Kuhn Links and the Christian Noonie respectively, about cooperation. Um, I thought what, what, why is this even a debate subject and why are these two parties uh, argue, who aren't really kind of very combative anyway uh, being pitched in against each other and it ended up the, the, the cult this became gradually more and more surreal and eventually it was uh, Jesse Klaver trying to make a point to the fact that um, he wanted to cut the number of animals in agriculture so you know, uh, the size of the cattle herd um, and Reion uh, seekers because he represents uh, mostly people in rural communities doesn't want to do that um, but of course that uh, means that because of the stick fixed-off crisis, uh, you, that, that, that means you can't build more houses, which is another thing you want to do. Oh, so Claver yeah. ended up just, coming, just, set, just reducing it down to saying, come on, Mr. Sakers, what do you want? Cows or houses? Cows or houses? <laughs> and it was just bizarre. So I just started thinking, could I not compromise on this somehow? by like building more cow, more houses for cows, <laughs> or maybe building the houses out of the weather or something. Yeah, what know, if you
2: build is, the houses <laughs> over the cow sheds, like they used to yeah. do? That <laughs> seems like it would exactly. be very green, right? It's
1: a terrible idea, Molly. Have <laughs> you ever w- spent smelled a cow
2: yes but terrible ideas are how we get dutch coalition building this is the whole polder model this is it that's right
1: yeah literally a polder model if you have a polder full of cows
2: yes just build a house over it everyone is happy
1: yeah. so basically jesse klaver narrowed this uh this very um uh nuanced uh problem down to to basically a brexit choice yes yeah
2: it's bad for everybody and it's a misrepresentation of the discussion
1: you know d- yeah d- do you want to
0: uh say no to houses or no to cows yeah yeah frankly i'd rather say no to a house i think uh, the cow is more likely to the house is less likely to shit on me so <laughs> or, or, or kick me somewhere painful <laughs>
2: Well, you don't, it's because you don't live in Groningen, that you're not worried about
1: (laughs) (laughs) And Molly, you've been bullying your dog, didn't you?
2: I've been bullying my dog. I had a very uh, viral post this week because I took a picture when the giant stem billet thing showed up at the house. Of Truby. With all the candidates? The dog, listed. yes. With all the candidates listed, laying next to it on the floor, because it's the same size as Truby, and I posted this online. But Truby is not very photogenic and really dislikes sort of being forced into weird situations where we want to take his picture. So you really have to, like, bribe him into this, and you get maybe five minutes out of it. So I posted an outtake photo as well of him just glaring at me for... Uh, forcing him to engage in this photo shoot. But I was accused online of mistreating him as though he didn't get like 97 treats for five minutes worth of work here.
1: <laughs> you posted so many photos of Truby's that it was almost like as if I was uh, visiting the uh, the New.nl webpage with all the photos of uh, Wopke Hoekstra exactly. uh, on the screen. And it was almost uh, it was almost the same. So many photos of Truby but I saw. Wopke on, Ho- yeah. But
2: Wopke Hoekstra is decidedly... L- Less cute than Truby is. Truby is yeah.
1: much yes, cuter. definitely. Yeah. You know? If Ockhuk had his way, you would have to pay
0: him fewer treats uh, for that this, work. So maybe should true. have voted for Cydia.
2: There is also <laughs> a uh, an AP photo that was going around um, with that also had Truby in it uh, because I had gone out to walk around to look at some of the the uh, polling lines in Delft. And there's apparently an AP photographer here. And so there is a shot in front of the church where you can't see me, although I am there because of the angle of the photo, but you can see sort of Truby um, kind oh. of like pulling off to the side. So he's like snuck into this little, uh, this little picture as well, which I thought well, was funny.
1: Well, Truby is definitely the most interesting uh, of the two of you, so um, for sure, yeah, absolutely,
2: no No arguments for me. Yeah. So Paul, you're going on a, away for a weekend? Is that what I understand yes. from this? And mm. where are you going to be going?
1: Yeah, um, finally, it is official, Henk Kroll has left the Tweede Kamer. Oh, thank God. Well, not quite, because they're still sitting
0: for a a little week or two, aren't they? For a
1: week or two, I think 12 days. I think the new parliament will be installed on March 30th, that's right. But he will not return in the Tweede Kamer. Hmm. He only got 8,000 votes with his new party, and that is, uh, well, 90%... Um, too little to win a seat. So uh, yeah, we are finally, finally released from from Hank Cole But he uh, he tweeted um, this afternoon that uh, his plans for the for the future, and that is that he's going to open a bed and breakfast. Right. And he added also that he is not uh, yet ready with uh, Streit, which uh, in German you can translate that to yes. mainkampf. Mm. Um, we still, uh, we, we are still going to hear from uh, from Hankel um, uh, somewhere in the future, but hopefully, um, hopefully not too much.
2: Do we think that Fred Taven will drive the bus route uh, that drops off by Hankel's B and B? <laughs>
1: I'm sure I'm yeah. sure but yes. uh, yeah uh, uh, Gordon you had a suggestion for for, uh, for the name for his new bed and breakfast did you yeah well
0: obviously it's going to be called Hank's pension
1: yes we? of course Yeah, oh, that's I mean, so that's else? a good one yeah and you're not going to have to pay anything <laughs> if no. you stay no. there no but it no. will
0: still it will still cost you in the long run yeah
1: so. yeah <laughs> You will the, not get a seat though in no. this bed and breakfast. No, there are no, seat. be no uh, seats. seats. All right, uh, let's move on to uh, to uh, the OPF of the week because uh, no week is complete without one. Um, so I'm reading time, ahead in the
2: script here, Paul. Does this yeah? mean that the most discussed OPF this week? I will not give any spoilers. Is going to be covered in the elections section because we obviously yes. cannot let this podcast go by without discussing the clusterfuck of a day that hugo de junga had in attempting to vote we had that yesterday Molly. oh you guys did it yesterday yes oh. we oh. did it. in the yeah. election special very disappointed uh,
1: you you don't listen to that
2: i oh, haven't God. listened to it yet no mm. um, all right no we covered fair. that already i'm oh, um, disappointed it, it did you was, guys really uh, emphasize the fact that it's very irritating that he blamed his wife for this mess was that discussed? Oh no, we missed that. Yeah. yeah, we missed that detail. This is what happens when it's a bunch of men talking about men. They they forget the fact that uh, no, he yeah, he blamed his wife, and I'm I was mostly mad at him for blaming his wife. That was that was a real dick move, I thought, on his part. <laughs>
1: So. Because he said she uh, she uh, she gave him that passport, right? She said to... that
2: he he said that he she put his stuff out for him because he was working late, oh, yeah. which is right. like an exceptionally yeah. nice thing to do. I think for a grown human being to like presumably organize their day for them the day yeah. before.
0: Or, or alternatively, just to, just speaks to Hugo's massive sense of entitlement.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the the fact that his wife just puts up with absolutely way more than she should have, um, or that she should be doing. And rather than just silently being grateful that his wife is this supportive, he tossed her right under the fucking bus at the first opportunity for setting out (laughs) apparently the wrong passport. As if Hugo de Jong does not have eyes and could not see that there were holes punched in the front of his passport.
1: (laughs) So At least he's not blaming his wife for the whole vaccine program disaster, right? not yet. Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) I
2: also sent out a tweet yesterday that said... Uh, what we are going to hear from Hugo de Young at the next Corona conference is I've asked my wife to put together a vaccination plan, but I probably should have double checked it before I sent it out. So, OK, that's my rant yeah. about how Hugo de Young is a bad husband. We can continue with the yes. actual op-up now. Was,
0: was his wife also responsible for the fact that he didn't have his driving license with him? I mean, this is just so ridiculous
2: Also, I don't understand why he turned up for this thing That was clearly going to be very, like, photographed and videoed In his extremely expensive SUV Like, this just looks so bad I'm not begrudging him owning an expensive SUV. I just think it's like a real bad look to go to a drive through voting place in your very expensive SUV. Like, you could have just taken your bike to someplace and like looked very nice and Dutch and proper like Mark Rutte and then driven your expensive SUV to The Hague later.
1: No, he's uh, driven a very expensive BMW uh, to, the, to The Hague. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's move on to the real Opeth. Yes, real Opeth. Uh, Molly, thank you for hijacking my my
2: segment. You invited me um, on this podcast. You knew you were going to get a ridiculous <laughs> rant about Hugo de Jonge this is the price you pay (laughs) yeah that's right uh, to be honest we have
1: ridiculous rants about Hugo de Jonge even if you are not present this is I mean yeah yeah, Yeah, of
0: course it's kind of obligatory really yeah what else are you gonna
1: do yes all right ophef uh, yes, it actually. comes from, uh, as we said, Hugo de Jonge, health minister, and also the podcast's uh, favorite grumpy old guy, Maarten van Rossum. The 78-year-old historian said on his uh, podcast on Friday that he was very frustrated with the Dutch vaccination program and that he found it incomprehensible that he, as a vulnerable bejaarde, still wasn't vaccinated. Van Rossum decided to take matters into his own hand. Uh, one of his friends did get a letter from the local health board to come and get a shot, and he used his Special uh, telephone number in that letter to call the vaccination appointment hotline. At the first try, he was told that he wasn't able to get one, but the second try was successful and Van Rossen managed to make an appointment. The story was picked up by the media, after which Health Minister Hugo de Jonge responded with a tweet. He wrote, Selflessness is the last thing we could use right now. We have to solve this crisis together. And he uh, also added, Gelukkig dat de meeste mensen deugen, uh, which is, I think, a reference to. Uh, to Rutger Brechtman's horrible book uh, what, what's the title in English by the way I don't uh, know that
2: something oh, I something no
1: I've never seen I it No, um, something 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 Yeah. yeah it's. Um... I mean
2: I'm not reading Rutger Bregman's book so I don't want, need to know what the title is in English we're gonna no, get that's right. I suspect that that will be the comment that annoys people more than anything people really <laughs> fucking like him man it's weird <laughs>
1: Um, most people were sympathetic with Maarten van Rossum, though, and uh, they understood his frustrations. Uh, other pointed out that if the Hugo de Jonge had organized the vaccine program well, van Rossum wouldn't have been able to make an appointment in the first place, which oh, I think yeah. is a very valid point.
0: Alternatively, he would have already been vaccinated a month ago. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> that's true. That's true, indeed. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, this is a situation where everyone is an asshole. Like, the vaccination program should be organized better, and Martin Bram-Ross should not be cutting the line. I mean, I get his point that as a 78-year-old vulnerable person, he probably thinks he should be vaccinated soon. I don't think that there's a lot of argument that people are cutting the line here, right, or that they're, like, vaccinating people in a bad order. I think the vaccination program is just going slow, which means that, like, probably down the street from him, there's an 82-year-old person with a vulnerability who... Uh, hasn't gotten their vaccination yet either. And so, yeah, I mean, you got to draw the line somewhere. Don't be a dick yeah. and organize your vaccine program and stop blaming your wife, Hugo Gunninger.
1: This week, there was basically no news apart from the Tweede Kamer election, except there was something with a global pandemic and vaccines or something. Are we still
2: having a pandemic?
1: I've forgotten. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a pandemic still going on. In the background.
2: I don't know. Unnoticed. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem like much is happening with the pandemic thing.
0: Yeah, it's it, it, it's just a flu, really. It's a, it's a flu. <laughs> so before we deal with the uh, small matter of the general election, uh, we'll kick off with the coronavirus figures. Um, and uh, yeah, they're not good. In the second week of March, the number of cases increased by just under a quarter, with the average per day going up from around four and a half thousand to more than five and a half thousand. However, part of that was down to more tests being carried out, Uh, that went up by 28%, uh, and particularly for children in schools. The percentage of positive tests uh, has gone down slightly to 7.7% and the reproductive number, R, is is just over 1 at 1.06.
1: So uh, what is the situation in hospitals?
0: Yeah, the hospital cases have gone up again uh, a bit in the last week from around 1850 to 2000. I think today it's dead on 2000. Uh, And intensive care numbers, uh, they're at their highest level as well for about six weeks. Uh, The RIVM, uh, the public health agency, has described the situation as worrying and the next week or two will be absolutely crucial in terms of whether or not uh, we get a full-on third wave. And, of course, uh, there's a big question of whether we're going to uh, uh, loosen the measures anymore at the end of this month, and that's looking less likely by the day.
1: Uh, do you think the election could have uh, could have increased cases more in the near future? Well, possibly. I mean, everyone going to the polling station, uh, potentially on the face of
0: it, is like, a, uh, yeah, it means everyone's, uh, people are hanging around indoors and uh, sharing spaces, and uh, their yeah, the, the breaths hanging in the air, so possibly. I mean, the, the, that was one of the reasons they had all the restrictions. But we'll see yeah. next week, maybe sort of yeah, middle end of next week, whether that's had any effect. Um, what we kind of seen is like uh, two weeks ago we had a bit of a rise from three and a half to four and a half thousand. Then it levelled off, and then it's gone up again. Um, and then yeah, we'll see because the vaccinations um, uh, making some kind of progress now, and we're getting more towards the, the late spring and the weather's getting better. Then I, I, yeah. I guess the hope is that this isn't going to be a big wave, and the effect of the vaccination and the uh, and the spring summer weather will mean that uh, you know we, we don't get the kind of situation we had uh, in, uh, in in December.
2: It is wild to me that we are a year out from the first lockdown and that the number of cases in this country and the number of deaths on a daily basis is astronomically higher than it was during that first week. And everybody just seems to think that, I don't know, that Corona is over. I mean, that like people just seem to be taking things much less seriously. I think I've been quite surprised. I mean, I think most people in our social circle have been pretty um. Yeah, intense about not breaking the rules and sort of maintaining things and it all just seems to be like drifting slowly away. I think people are just tired of it. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think that, you know, we locked the whole country down for the first time a year ago with how many cases were here. 500 or something, and now it's you know 5,000 cases a day, yeah. and they're uh, yeah, although you know.
0: we're, we're, we're testing much, much more, so they probably yeah. were when you we look back into statistics yeah. from them, the like the estimates, the number of people who were actually infected was about twice the level of it is uh, that it is now, but they would just one yeah. it wasn't showing the numbers because they were hardly testing anybody.
2: Yeah, that is true. And uh, so vaccines are going to save us, which is why we've ordered tons of them. And they're all just lined up and ready to go to be effectively shot into people's arms. Right, Gordon?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, About that. Um, as you might have heard particularly if you're in your 60s and you're waiting for a vaccine uh, the Netherlands is one of several countries who suspended the use of the AstraZeneca vaccine this week Uh, that's because there was a small number of cases of a rare form of thrombosis uh, in people who'd had the vaccine in Scandinavia Uh, we are talking about around 10 known cases uh, but it's a serious condition Uh, it lands people in intensive care and one person has died and of course so they're very keen obviously to investigate whether there is in fact a causal link Uh, that's fair enough Uh, the big discussion was whether they should to go as far as actually pausing the vaccinations, given you know the state of the uh, pandemic just at the moment, uh, or or carry on. But anyway, the Dutch um, government, on the advice of the health council, has decided to suspend the use of the vaccine for two weeks while they make further inquiries about whether these two, you know, whether it it is uh, a cause of the thrombosis. Uh, other countries have done the same thing, like Germany, um, and uh, yeah, uh, that means that it, it's it slowed down the vaccination program. Uh, the National Association of Family Doctors said it was a sensible decision because they wanted to give patients a clear picture and reassure them but the medical professionals union NU91 which obviously represents people at the sharp end working in hospitals and things said suspending the vaccines could trigger a worst case scenario just as infections are rising again the European Medicines Agency uh, did say on Thursday that that the AstraZeneca vaccine uh, was still safe and effective to use
2: I have a, um, a complaint I would like to register about this particular situation So even if all of these cases of thrombosis are actually the results of the vaccine, which I don't think that they are, I don't think the evidence is going to bear that out, the risk of thrombosis from this vaccine is like three times lower than the risk of thrombosis from most contraception that women just take all the time, which I find very annoying Mm -hmm. that it's fine to just allow women to have this same risk but it's not okay when other people are are trying to have a much lower risk for this stuff. So...
0: Hmm. I can kind of understand why they're being cautious here because uh, in this situation, you might remember around about a year o- a year ago, we had a situation with a medical condition where we massively underestimated the real number of cases, and that led to some quite big problems. So yeah, I can sort of see why they're um, uh, erring on the side of caution. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't really have a view on whether they should suspend the vaccine or not. So I don't feel qualified enough to give one. But uh, yeah, uh, I just hope that they uh, clear this up as quickly as possible and can get the vaccination back on track. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah. Is there and any good better,
2: vaccination news?
0: Yeah, there is better vaccination news because the Janssen okay. vaccine from Leiden, uh, the wave your Dutch flag, has been approved by the European Medicines Agency and the Medical Council says it should be used for the most vulnerable groups, uh, which means uh, the over-60s, people with medical conditions, people who were booked in for AstraZeneca. So maybe they can catch up with the vaccinations that way.
2: And that's the single-shot one, so hopefully it'll move yeah. things along. now. Indeed. And uh, how are things going among the
1: elderly?
0: Yeah, there is good news there because, uh, well, first of all, and just anecdotally, hospital staff say they're seeing fewer older people now coming in with COVID. Uh, the figures also back that up. Uh, infections went up in all age groups last week, but it was much smaller in uh, all the age groups over 60. They were up by around 15% or less. And the number of nursing homes with um, an infection reported in the last two weeks is now down below 300. And two months ago, that was 850. And the death rates are falling. So an average in the last week of twenty-nine deaths a day, compared to thirty-eight a week ago. I mean, still yeah. thirty people dying a day is, you know, from one disease is it, it, a it's, lot. It's pretty is a lot, but uh, yeah. it's 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 moving in the right direction.
1: What do you mean? It's just a flu, Gordon. It's just a flu. Yeah. Oh my god. I just,
2: I just, I can't, I can't with these people. <laughs>
0: If you value our efforts to keep you up to date with the election results, the coronavirus pandemic or the availability of rooms at Henk's B&B, why not become a Patreon sponsor? All our sponsors get a shout out on the show as a mark of our eternal gratitude and the chance to ask us a question which we'll do our best to answer. This week we welcome three new patrons. Thank you first of all to Alejandra Hernandez, great to have you on board. Um, We also say hello and a big thanks to Daniel Carey from Dublin, Daniel sponsored <laughs> us on St Patrick's Day, so I hope that's not something he's regretting the morning after.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, he says he's been a regular visitor to the Netherlands since he spent a year. Since he spent a year studying in Leiden, he says I don't have a question, but keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much, and uh, thank uh, thank you very much for to you, Daniel. And our third patron is Yanni uh, Hardu, so thank you very much as well. I moved to Amsterdam to start my PhD two months ago, right in the middle of lockdown, uh, says Yanni. My question would be, what are common social blunders a foreigner might make in the Netherlands? I last lived in Germany, where the list include things like vacuuming on Sunday morning or asking for tap water at a restaurant.
2: Uh, turning up late to a function. Turning like up Like being oh, invited definitely. to dinner yeah. at seven o'clock at somebody's house and coming at like 7.15 or 7.30. Yeah. Yeah. Or just
0: turn up yeah. unexpected without making an appointment yeah. first. Ooh, yeah, also ahead. bad. You know,
2: yeah. That's a no go. Just, just never yeah. do that.
1: No. Mm.
0: Yeah. I have a very good uh, fo- social faux pas, actually, which, which, which I committed um uh, at my <laughs> wedding because um uh, Dutch people don't really go in for buying wedding presents. Uh, they often just give you a card and an envelope uh, with some money in it. And yeah. uh, so uh, at my wedding, uh, family members uh, queued up uh, to hand over these envelopes. And I took the first one and uh, opened it. And uh <laughs> Oh, and no. Had a, no. That, she she, she has heard this sharp intake of breath in my ear. And she just said to me do, do not open the envelope in front of me. Oh, them. my
2: God. What <laughs> are you doing? Yeah. You you were almost divorced <laughs> you're lucky that your wife is a nice human being
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well that is a faux pas indeed. yeah you're lucky yeah. you didn't just get divorced on your wedding day i think i know That's i could have a- got
1: sued as well yeah say, for sure part. yeah 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 i have one uh, which involves uh, driving in traffic mm. um when whenever a bunch of uh, new students arrive after the summer in delft uh they learn how to Ride a bike, and sometimes that causes a lot of um, dangerous situations, and that uh, always happens when uh, they're trying to take a left turn on a bike lane because when they want to do that they often uh go to the right side of their lane and then uh take the left turn but uh especially when it's busy a lot of people are you know uh, uh trying to pass you and when 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 these uh when they try to take the left turn they uh the, the other person just crashes into the side of them and that's always very dangerous so my advice is to uh just move when you, whenever you want to take a left turn move to the left side of your lane so that's the middle of the of the bike uh, path and uh, then take the left uh, left turn to avoid these dangerous situations. That's a good one. I no. think
2: um, the one that I make the most often, I, I think they're kind of related, although separate situations, is either being in some sort of work setting and going to get yourself a beverage, tea or coffee, and like not doing the proper offer to get everybody else in this situation yeah mm. or and also like paying for rounds and bars like i i still struggle with this like when exactly it is your turn to buy and when not and under what circumstances and like when how big of a group like sometimes I'll be in a group of like large like a large group of people and you offer to get a coffee and then everyone's like oh you're being ridiculous this is too many people but sometimes like the group will be small and I won't offer then people are like haha you're very rude it's like I don't know what the arbitrary number is for when you do this and when you don't um, it's uh,
1: it's in your DNA. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just, just you I just have to feel yeah. whenever it's appropriate yeah. or not. Yeah. Basically.
2: My um my suggestion to solving this problem and this is what I do is just like making a joke out of it and being like, yeah, I I don't know how this works. So like you guys have to explain your ridiculous rituals to me and then people are yeah. usually fine with it. And we're not bringing a gift when you're invited to somebody's house, which I feel like is more common than just with the Dutch, but the Dutch are quite direct and will sort of comment on it in a way that like in my experience, like the Spanish or the French, would never say like, "Wow, mm. you turned up empty-handed." <laughs>
1: uh, also, um, a vacuum vacuum on Sunday—that uh, is also a faux pas. Sometimes in the Netherlands, but it depends if you are in the Bible Belt or not. Yeah, I was going to say, true.
0: doing anything on Sunday, like uh, yeah, know, even like visiting the SKP's website on Sunday is also a faux pas. Not allowed. It's
1: it's allowed. Not allowed. Yeah, it's, it's they, they block it. Yeah. It's yeah. So
0: crazy. <laughs> If you'd like to join our ranks of Patreon sponsors, log on to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com/slash/DutchNewsNL.
1: On Wednesday, the Netherlands elected a new parliament. A record number of 17 parties were elected in the Tweede Kamer. Voting in a pandemic went relatively smoothly with a turnout of 81%, and that is uh, only slightly down from uh, the last election in 2017. Voting was spread over three days with 20% of the polling stations open for voting on Monday and Tuesday. And uh, yeah, on Wednesday was the actual election day. So uh, all all polling stations were open. People over the age of 17 were allowed to mail their votes, but this caused a lot of problems. Uh, 8% of the postal votes were declared invalid, but Interior Minister Kasia Ollonghen changed the procedure on Wednesday to ensure as many votes as possible could be counted, after all. Uh, On Wednesday, uh, we released a special election episode based on the exit polls, but now the votes have been actually counted, or at least most of them. So uh, yeah, let's uh, let's discuss the actual uh, results. I uh, included uh, some links by the way uh, on top of the story uh, which can be useful um, yeah, the, uh, um, uh, the big winner is, of course, Mark Rutte's uh, VVD party. Uh, as projected on Wednesday with the election polls, uh, with the exit polls, uh, his party won 35 seats. That's an increase of two seats compared to 2017. Um, yeah, voters didn't punish Rutte for numerous scandals in the, of the past four years, such as uh, uh, his handling of uh, earthquake damages in Groningen, uh, induced by gas extraction, uh, the child benefit scandal, which led to the fall of his third cabinet two months ago, and other. Uh, scandals as well um, it's interesting because ever since um, the last election in 2017 the Fever Day party was pulled to be the largest political party over the past four years, there was not an instance when uh, he wasn't uh, pulled uh, as the largest party except that one a small week of the provincial elections when there were when uh, the range of the form for demo- democracy overlapped with the with the Day um, but he remained um, popular throughout his, uh, his four years uh, and I think that's uh, that's a, uh, that's a, we, we've never seen that before. I think.
2: No Teflon Rita, right? I mean, I think that this yeah. is everybody. I think most election watchy sort of people that I pay attention to, the academics and that kinds of stuff. I, I think. I think the big headline for most people broadly is is the big jump in De Sestag, which we're gonna talk about in a minute. But I think the big thing amongst, yeah, people who sort of watch this quite closely is how exactly does Ruta do this. In fact, I heard um uh Verdian, uh who is a political what is that in English? God, I'm really tired.
1: Political scientist. Yes, mm-hmm. thank you.
2: Um at UVA talk about how uh he wished that he knew what Retta's secret was because then he would never be in trouble with his wife ever again which I thought was a good point
1: <laughs> and Retta doesn't even have a
2: wife no. so uh, yeah. yeah yeah, maybe that's yeah. his secret I guess yeah that's, uh, yeah. that's probably and his right, but, yeah.
0: but he still remembers his passport when he goes to vote it's incredible
2: this is true <laughs> somehow <laughs> Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, at the start of the pandemic a year ago, uh, his approval ratings went up very, very uh, uh, quite a lot. Uh, It only went down uh, a couple of weeks ago, Um, uh, two weeks or three weeks ago, he was pulled to get 42 seats. And now uh, he got only 35. So I think uh, the VVD is really happy that the election was today and not in, uh, in, in two weeks. Um, yeah, and, he did, uh, yeah, he
0: did, did really. Um, yeah, they were sailing along at over forty uh, seats for about the last kind of six months, weren't they? So, yeah, they, yeah. they, they were starting on a downward tra- trend, but it didn't uh, happen fast enough for the other parties to catch
1: him up. Um, yeah so uh, uh, Margaret will uh, probably be uh, the, the, the prime minister for the coming four years uh, he has I think he, he still has two years to go to uh, to break the record as the long longest serving prime minister and as a historian um, he, uh, he probably is really going to like that if he manages to uh, uh, to 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 get that record so I'm, um, I'm sure yeah.
0: that da- I'm sure he's got the date marked in his agenda even now. I'm sure he does yeah
1: sure yeah yeah I think he has the date marked in his brain he knows yeah. it by heart yeah. which day he needs to
2: I think uh, he's also known it since he was about 15 how long (laughs) how long it needed to be Um, exactly he did say today or yesterday I can't remember um that he had another 10 years in him
1: yeah Yeah. I heard that as well he said
0: he's got the energy to keep going for 10 years he's like a Duracell prime minister (laughs) mix of Duracell and Teflon I don't want to think about that Duracell Teflon uh,
1: crossover Yeah. 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 yeah just given his record on pollution is kind of appropriate as well oh god yeah. did, did we notice that he he started to become gray a little bit his hair uh, started to become gray
2: yes i did notice this the, i think the, it's been the, corona really because it i don't yeah. think i noticed much of a difference in him until yeah basically this last year when you look at look back at photos
1: yeah 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 but he still gives the impression that he ha- still has a lot of energy he's yeah. not uh, he's a he young guy he's all. not he old he never looks tired yeah
2: If Teoh Hidema is still around, I mean, Ruta's got a (laughs) whole generation of himself in politics. If Prince Philip is still around. Yeah, seriously.
1: Imagine he will be prime minister until he is is 99. uh, That will be a record that will never be broken again. Um, the other big winner is, of course, uh, the Sigrid Kaag, the Minister for Foreign uh, Trade and International Development. Uh, the exit polls suggested that a sister uh, would win 27 seats. Uh, that's an increase of eight. But after the votes were actually counted, it became clear she won 27. That's still a win of five, but it's less than we initially expected. Um, there was this uh, very, very great photo of her dancing on the table after the exit polls were published. Uh, it went uh, viral and it was also, I think, featured on most mm. uh, front pages of. Of the morning newspapers uh, yeah uh, uh, I think she her uh, I think they did uh, very well uh, to you know at the start of the campaign they started to um, um, focus on her uh, sneakers and uh, they had a very weird campaign in store for her they they dropped this uh, quite soon after uh, a lot of people uh, thought that it was going uh, it was a very ridiculous uh, campaign strategy mm. luckily for them then Wopke Hoekstra had this uh, ice skating fail and we all forgot about uh, Sigrid Kaag's sneakers mm. and then uh, after that they could finally present her the way she was this, this very smart uh, 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 and good debater in the debates, and all of a sudden everybody really liked Sigrid Kaag and, uh, and she, she uh, became more and more popular, so I think they uh, they did pretty well um, uh, uh, changing this campaign strategy early on
0: Yeah, it's going to be image management and uh, you have to think as well that if, uh, if the, the Kaag effect didn't really uh, uh, pick up in the polls until the, the last week of the campaign, you have to think that if uh, if she had made yeah. an impact sooner then you might have seen Jesus Zestig really run the Fefeu Day close
1: yeah, yeah, but I think the, the uh, her performance in the debates was really crucial yeah. in uh, in this car effect.
2: I have a theory about this. That has Do absolutely you. no basis in any sort of reality, but we're gonna. I'm gonna go <laughs> with it anyway. I mean, that are, is what this podcast is for, right? Is it, yeah.
0: are, are you, are you, have you been taking lessons from Thierry
2: Baudet? What's been going on here? Yes. <laughs> also, Corona is just a flu. I'm convinced. <laughs> um, I. They have this ad. The Desastasic has this ad that like runs before every time you want to watch something on the Nos. Um, this like you know 10 second, thirty second, whatever it is spot, and in it. Um, I think If you looked up In the dictionary What a prime minister Should look like Sigurd Koch Manages to look like that In the ad I can't exactly Put mm. my finger on What it is exactly um, She's an attractive woman without being like an overly sexual sort of looking woman, which I think plays somewhat of a role in this. But in particular, she's walking a lot in this ad. And there's been like a thousand jokes about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris walking a lot. And I think that like, for some reason, people (laughs) really like it when politicians are just like walking and doing stuff. I kind of blame the TV show The West Wing for this. And I think that she embraced the kamala harris approach of like sneakers and walking and like this it just is like a good look for her and this is what pulled it out in the last uh in the last week this is my story i I I started
1: watching uh the the west wing uh two weeks ago and uh as you said there are these famous uh shots of of these people walking around the west wing uh, doing ridiculous routes uh, through this building, yeah. by the way, and uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's dynamic. It's yeah. a dynamic image, and uh, that works, I think
0: yeah there's no way this is an act- yeah there's no way this is an accident is it I mean you have run a pretty smart campaign yeah and kark is someone who's you know very aware of how politics is done in other countries having been an international diplomat She have definitely have switched on to this and she or the the minders will have said you know to do lots of walking it really goes down well with the voters
1: no yeah yeah so perhaps uh, that sneaker thing was uh, was smart after all.
2: I think yeah. I mean, I think my irritation with her in the beginning was like you said. She just seemed to be. They, I don't know if it was her or, or like people at of Sestig or what that they were. They seemed to be forcing her into this role that she was not and I, you yeah. know once she sort of was just like allowed to be kind of like a well educated sort of smart rich lady doing like those kinds of things she f- did fine and I, you know I think that that's mostly what people kind of want from politicians I mean I know that there's always this push for like populism and this kinds of stuff but like at the end of the day I think what people often vote for is you know people who look very competent and polished and you know sort of well educated and those are the things that she is
1: Yeah. Yeah. And makes people. And also um, in the debate, she attacked uh, Geert Wilders on, on several occasions. Uh, and that is also always a um, a good strategy for Deza's Assessor because the last time they pulled uh, record numbers, uh, that was in the midst of this mm. uh, duel between Geert Wilders and uh, Deza's leader Alexander Pechtold. That's just uh, 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 a proven strategy for data Assessor that really works. Yeah,
0: definitely. It was a very, it was very much an anti-populist campaign, wasn't it? On all fronts, you yeah. know, she presented herself as very positive, as very competent, as very experienced, as well-educated, as well-spoken, and and, you know, she took the fight to Hillvolders. Uh, she, she she presented things like constructive uh, suggestions on how to deal with coronavirus, like you know mass testing and um, and and possible vaccine passports. And uh, yeah, she just and and the 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 thing she said in her um, in her uh, in her speech uh, after the results came, or after the exit poll came out, when she says she said, you know, I, I believe the Dutch people are not extremists but moderates, and they respond to positivity. That's sort of whether or not you agree with it, that's definitely yeah. that was definitely the the, the basis of her was the message of her campaign I think
1: yeah, definitely. And then the uh, first loser of the night is uh, Geert Wilders. Uh, his uh, PVV party won uh, 17 seats, and uh, that is uh, down three seats compared to uh, 2017. Um, he adopted this uh, newly acquired role as a more or less uh, constructive opposition leader in the past year, but he didn't manage to turn that into an election win. Uh, he presented the PVV as a reasonable right-wing alternative after Thierry formed Forum for Democracy party... Uh, well, basically collapsed in November over anti Semitic text messages uh, among their uh, younger members. Um, Baudet was also flirting with Corona conspiracy theorists and casting doubts about, for example, vaccinations and stuff like that. Uh, Wilders very much stayed away from that and he tried to attract FAD supporters who didn't want anything to do with that um, to his party. Uh, it initially worked if we looked at the polls, but research by Ipsos suggested that still a lot of former PVV voters switch Switch to uh, day uh, in the polling uh, booths.
0: Yeah, about a quarter of Day's vote came from Pepe I was uh, seeing yeah. uh, in those charts you showed me.
1: And uh, I'm really uh, curious to see if um, if Geert Wilders uh, will keep. Um, uh, if if Wilders will keep uh, uh, using this approach as a more or less constructive opposition leader, because he 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 gained a, quite a lot of praise for that in the Corona debates, for example, um, but he, he didn't manage to 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 uh, win many seats. So uh, will he go back to his old approach or not? I'm uh, I'm curious to see. Hmm. I
0: have a sneaking suspicion I I can guess what he's going to do, actually.
1: Yeah, Yeah. me too.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't think that there's going to be another situation like Corona where it behooves him to position himself this way, right? That, like, there is something sort of specific about this where, like, he had this opportunity to position himself as the more reasonable sort of F.A. Day situation. But there's almost no other thing on which they disagree on. So there's no moment of, of, of contention, I think, between yeah. the FVV and the F A V the, the PVV and the Fada, um, where he can be the yeah. reasonable one. I have to say, like, I think his strategy works. I, I think it, like, took me in. I think I feel now that he's less bonkers than I thought at the beginning of the year. Yeah, me so too. it's Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I sometimes have to kind of remind myself of, like, the things that his party actually stands for, because sometimes he seems quite reasonable and normal. Um, When he talks
0: about Corona, he is. But every time he got on to Islam and migration in the campaign, he just sounded like he just started sounding off. He just sounded like the same old nutcase. So, no, um, I think it's, uh, yeah, a bit of, uh, it's still there lurking, you know, the old old builders. I uh, sort
2: of, I tweeted this a couple of weeks ago that I, the thing that I just find so annoying about covering this Hurt builders basically is that he's just so boring in this sense right that like the only cudgel that he has is being opposed to Moroccan or Islamic immigration to this country like that is the only thing that he talks about and like it's not nothing has changed about this I mean he's made it more difficult for people I think to to integrate and you know the dual passport thing and that kinds of stuff but other than that I mean like there is really no policy thing here and I'm just sort of tired of like having to write the same sentence about him every time I have to <laughs> write something about him like I wonder how much other people feel about that and how much of his this is an indication of his sort of diminished importance or like the beginning of the end kind of for him because I think you get bored and at least Bodet, who's clearly crazier is like more exciting
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But my, 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 right. my number one rule in writing about Dutch politics is uh, that you write Kier Willers off at your peril. I mean, he's been written off so many times in the last 10 years. And he's always, yeah. you know, when the Day boomed and Villers uh, went down to zero seats in the European Parliament, everyone said, right, that's it. He's, he's finished. And yet he came back and he was uh, on course to be the second largest party uh, for most of this campaign or the year or two beforehand. Um, so it, as Day melted down, and I think there's a very strong chance that they will do again. I They've got eight MPs, all of whom have had big fights with each other in the last yeah. year, there's a good chance of Vils will profit from that. So no, I don't, yeah. I, don't, yeah, I, don't no, I I think his day I- will come again.
2: I d- yeah I guess I, d- I didn't I don't mean to say That this is sort of like maybe I've like phrased that badly I don't mean to say necessarily that like we're not Going to hear from him anymore but I mean I Think the interest in him in terms of like Being this sort of radical person is kind of Waning and like you can't really Govern on this stuff I mean like It's clear that the Netherlands is just Has this sort of 20 around 20 Percent of the voting population who You know is very far right And sort of flirts with fascism and Is very very racist and Sort of opposed to immigration and that, like, yeah, I mean, somebody's going to occupy the space, and that's clearly going to be builders. And I think he'll kind of be around till the end of time. But I think the the interest in him, in terms of like the international interest and like the media interest and in these sorts of things, like it just gets quite repetitive and boring after a while. So, like, yeah, I what agree you, with that yeah. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Yeah, I get yeah. that.
1: Yeah. And also, if you compare uh, uh, how low he pulled two years ago, then 17 seats is actually a yeah, big win. Yeah, it's a move up.
2: Also, yeah. it is perhaps the fact that Hugo de Jonga also has terrible hair that makes Builders seem less interesting <laughs> because you can no longer make hair jokes because you've got another one to make them on. I can only make one hair joke per article. I'm much more interested in spending it on de Young.
0: So you'd rather spend it on Hugo de Jonga than fit Vilders. Yeah, I think so. I'm just tired yeah.
2: of making the same joke about Wilder's. You just like need some new material, I feel like. And he's like, not offering anything up so like you'd yeah. be it's much more interesting to talk about Hugo de Younga yeah
1: Yes, uh, the second loser of the night was Wopke Hoekstra's CDA. Uh, Their campaign never came off the ground. Uh, They switched leaders a couple of months before the election, and Hoekstra was initially regarded as the man who could potentially beat Rutte. Uh, However, his campaign was uh, pretty disastrous. It started when he went ice skating in Tielv, even though uh, that wasn't allowed. He broke uh, the corona rules. Uh, And uh, also, uh, even worse than that, he also appeared to be unfamiliar with the CDA's party manifesto and its proposals. Uh, yeah, he, he wasn't also a very strong uh, debater that had I think everything to do with the fact that he didn't know what he was talking about and um, yeah, sometimes you have these campaigns that sort of work when uh, all the pieces fall together and you have a great campaign. I, I'm thinking of for example Jesse Klaver in 2017 but Wopke Hoekstra had the opposite uh, I mean I went he went ice skating in Tielf right Yeah. Uh, Ophef Everybody was mad at him. What What does he do the next week? He uh, shoots a commercial of him skating uh, on natural ice. We've seen that commercial for a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time you see him ice skating, you are reminded of his mistake in T-Off, yeah. right? Yeah. Additionally, additionally... Um, uh, he he shot this commercial when it was minus 15 degrees a week later it was plus 15 degrees everyone was putting sunscreen on their faces and you turn on the TV and what do you see? Wopke Hoekstra ice skating. Mm. There was this mismatch which was sort of characteristic for his entire campaign I think and uh, these small things uh, he he, he can't do anything about the weather of course but it's uh, I think it is um 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 it says a lot about uh, his campaign. Yeah, he was—he he, he
0: was just like a badly tuned piano, wasn't he? He just made all the yeah. wrong noises the whole time. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah he just doesn't seem to me to be a good politician. Like he just no. He just as he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah that the is a thing, you know. But
0: back in the summer when there was uh, when he was expected to take part in the Sadiq's leadership contest, he he withdrew because he said he didn't think he was a good campaigner, and he spent the last he was month right. proving that. Yeah, he was right. Tried. Yeah. I don't know if they've done um, any better with Hugo de Jonger as leader, by the way. No. But, um
1: you know. Um
0: but, but no, Peter Omzigt uh, I think has now got but. a very strong case.
1: Yeah, even though Peter Omzigt is also not a very charismatic person, right? I don't think No, if, but uh, he's a good he, de- he's, a, he's
0: a good debater, you know, he knows his stuff. Yeah, he that's would not right. have been tripped up on what was in the manifesto, the way Hook yeah, was. That's right. Yeah.
1: That's right. Yeah.
2: Also Peter Omzigt seems to have this this quality that Rita has where he doesn't really appear to take things like that personally and seems quite willing to admit very quickly when he's yeah. been wrong that he, he had this tweet yeah. today or yesterday where he said, yeah, I, I think I campaigned too much for the ah, and I should do that less next time. I mean, it's like pretty uh, he just seems to have this sort of quality where like he just kind of, yeah this sort of ritesque quality, which I think people are quite attracted to, right? That they quite like when politicians at least appear to be not you know, sort of super political in these ways.
1: Yeah. Uh I also have to mention that uh the CDR is uh won fifteen seats and that's four seats down compared to twenty seventeen. So uh yeah, not a good election for, yeah, for no.
0: and only two more than twenty twelve, which is their low point. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, indeed. And uh, yeah, then I think the big loser of the uh, of the election, uh, um Links, uh, they won fourteen seats in twenty seventeen, and now only seven. So they uh, yeah they were reduced by half, uh, and I. I honestly don't have an explanation for that. I just don't know why people left the GroenLinks party en masse like that. Perhaps it is because their campaign was so successful uh, in 2017. Um, uh, They attracted voters who would would not normally vote for um, uh, GroenLinks because uh, his campaign was doing so well. But still, uh, a a loss of seven seats. I just don't have an explanation for that. I have a theory.
2: and oh, it is, again? this one is actually based in an an understanding <laughs> of, of stuff um, <laughs> yeah. and has been confirmed by people who are smarter than me on the subject. I think that, you know, Green Links is a, is a, you know, it's in the name, right? That it's like a green party. And now everybody else is also a green party, right? Like they're not any more sort yeah. of, you know, aggressive on climate than any of these other left-leaning parties. Um, I think, yes, clover is people think he's kind of annoying. I I think he's kind of annoying. Um, And I think that, like, Mm. you know, that, like, really sort of hurt him, that you're just indistinguishable from all these other left-leaning parties. And, like, Koch seems like a better, you know, sort of a nicer, easier to get along with politician. And Yessa Klobber seems really annoying and keeps wearing stupid turtlenecks. Like, that's... (laughs)
1: Yeah, the turtleneck thing is very yeah. annoying, that, that I agree with. But yeah. what you're saying is that if you are a voter that cares about CO2 reduction, then you are not necessarily, you don't necessarily have to vote for GroenLinks right. uh, in order to get that because other parties yeah. uh, do that too. I think. So what that's else are they too- offering?
2: Yeah, that's my question, yeah. I think. So yeah, I'm I, interested to uh, see where they where they go from here, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Po- and I also think a lot of their votes just drifted to Dezestes to They had very similar manifestos yeah. at a lot of points, yeah. especially on the environment. And voters probably just thought, instead of having Jesse Claver, I want to have a grown-up uh, leader uh, in Sirikar who's got much the same policies. And he's more likely to, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, like to get it done. Yeah, he's more likely to get it done. Yeah, doesn't wear turtlenecks as well. Yeah. Uh, and also, <laughs> I think uh, I think probably they were punished as well for Claver uh, introducing the whole uh, um, uh, student financing system that is now being scrapped. Yes. I think, yeah. you know, that was definitely running floor and that came up in the debates.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, might be. Uh, if you zoom out a little bit, I think um, the, the problem that you said, Molly, with um, you don't have to vote for this party in order to get something is uh, you can apply that to the whole left wing, tra- yeah. traditional left wing uh, parties. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, uh, the entire spectrum uh, has moved to the left. I mean, even the day is talking about raising the minimum wage, for example, you right. don't have to vote for a left-wing party in order to get these sort of things. And um, um, as a whole, the entire left-wing block only won 25 seats combined, right? Yeah. Uh, pvda Stagnator, they, uh, they have nine seats again. SP lost five seats. They went from 14 to nine. Again, I don't understand that, but it's uh, it's what happened. Yeah. Um, and in uh, 2017, this combined number was uh, 30, 37. So, uh, I mean, it's almost as if we don't have a, a left-wing uh, political bloc anymore. I mean, I think... Uh, t- everyone left it.
2: I think I have two sort of thoughts about this. One is, is that... Yeah, if you if that's how you define the left-wing block as the socialists the labor and hoon links I mean which is the yeah, traditional that's... left-wing block right yeah that, exactly yeah, yeah I mean you're right it's down but I think most people coll- you know colloquially at least think that de mm-hmm. and volt are basically left-wing parties I mean they have very similar party manifestos I understand that they're slightly to the right on some things than these other parties are certainly de Sessistig is to the right on economics right. than something mm-hmm. like the socialist party, but... Yeah,
1: full full two, full two. Yeah.
2: Um, But I think that, you know, people sort of broadly think of them as being kind of like generically left-wing, just slightly less left-wing, maybe, parties. Um, I feel bad for the socialists which is like not a sentence I ever thought I would say because (laughs) they spent all of this time banging on about the Tuslache affair and over and over and over again which is a thing that dramatically hurt people who desperately did not need to be you know attacked in this way by the government and they sort of like lost a bunch of voters who care more about hating the EU than they do about like rule of law here in the Netherlands and I'm mad on their behalf
0: for this. I totally agree with you there it does seem like a lot of the SP votes went to four for democracy which is just mad
2: yeah you know, or yain, ja i guess perhaps but yeah
0: yeah a little bit to buy but i think uh, the, 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 the figures show that, uh, oh. that there was a fair that, sorry yeah, that, not
2: yaein um, ja 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 yaein ja and 20, 20. there's yeah, yeah, numbers. 20. Yeah, yeah. Bayein, sorry. yeah sorry
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, some went to Yain and 20 and some went to yeah. forum but it's just just crazy that uh, yeah. Yeah, but i c- c- can't understand w- why you would uh, go for thierry's corona caravan rather than people who've actually been campaigning for years for families who've been a- really badly hurt by the government
2: yeah, that was, that one that is a great joke, Gordon, so props to that. I'm a big fan. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think just I, I don't understand these people. I I understand less I think people who voted socialists and are now voting for forum than I do just like people who are voting for forum, who were voting for the payday and are now voting for forum. Like, I I think Liliana Marijnissen was out there really trying to make a difference in terms of the Tuslache affair. And like, it just does not seem to resonate. And that to me is like a much more egregious breach of anything that any complaint you can ever make about unelected bureaucrats in Brussels.
1: Yeah, and there are um, uh, more and more voice, voices that are calling for these uh, traditional parties to uh, to simply merge. Yes, uh, yeah. we, we've seen that, for example, in 1980 with the uh, Christian Democrats. Uh, parties. Uh, it, it was all very fragmented, and uh, uh, at some point they decided to uh, to merge into one big party, the CDR, and that party became um, the largest party for the next uh, two decades or something. So uh, yeah, it might be uh, might be a good idea uh, for these parties to start uh, seriously start thinking about merging and and form a a, a, a party that uh, you know is substantial and can uh, do do something uh, together, do something against, um, for example, faith. Uh, uh, or they say Sester because together they would they will they have 25 seats that would make them the second part, second largest party in, in the Tweede Kammer. All right, so that's the election results. Uh, what happens now, Paul? Yeah, um, the Tweede Kamer chair, Khadija Harib, she didn't waste uh, a single second uh, because she invited all the leaders of the 17 parties the day after the election, so that was on Thursday. Um, She invited them to the smoking room of the Tweede Kamer. I didn't know we had a smoking room, but apparently we do. Uh, And they discussed the uh, election results uh, 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 there. Uh, Later that afternoon, she held a press conference where she announced that uh, the leaders have appointed not one but two for kenners, so that's the first stage of uh, forming a coalition, uh, Annemarie Joritsma, that's the VVD leader in the Senate, and Kasia Allonghen, she is now uh, their D66 interior minister, they will investigate which coalition is most likely to succeed. Uh, and uh, I think they uh, are uh, scheduled to, um, to report uh, their findings uh, at the end of March right, March 30th, yeah. the day uh, uh, of the when the, when the new trade Camera is installed, yeah. uh, and they are going to speak to all political leaders to discuss the election results in depth and how they feel about uh, uh, how the coalition talks uh, should proceed further.
0: Yeah, so they basically canvass everyone's views and all the parties are kind of asked here, uh, which coalition do you think is the best and do you want to be in it? And then they <laughs> report on that and uh, yeah, that, that, that's the first stage of the formation process.
1: Yeah, and yeah. if you want to know more about the formation process, we refer you to the episode of week nine where we did a uh, a crash course on uh, on forming a coalition in the Netherlands. Yeah. So um, yeah, let's talk about uh, coalitions. Um, if you combine uh, the motor block, right, which we talked about a lot in 2017, mm-hmm. uh, those are the three largest parties, uh, the VVD, CDA, D66, you get 74 seats. The- so that's just yeah. one down from, or well, two down from a majority. They're not yeah. the
2: largest. They're, they're not the three largest. You said That's right. You're correct. The three largest reasonable parties. If you put that exactly. qualifier yeah. Right, yeah. That, then you're fine. <laughs> Thank you for,
1: for, for that correction. Um, yeah, you get 74 seats. So that means that they don't have a majority. And that also means that we will need a fourth party uh, to join that uh, coalition uh, in order to, um, to to get that majority.
2: Do they have to have a majority? Or can they just decide to rule with a minority... There are no rules about
1: formation. Yeah. yeah. And they can. M- a minority is allowed. But, but I don't think so, somehow. R- R-
0: Ritter likes to have a majority. I think yeah. he said that a number of times yeah. in his previous uh, coalition, uh, in the formation of his previous coalitions
1: yeah Rutte likes security so he doesn't yeah. want to uh, he he's great in in forming these coalitions but i don't think he wants to uh to find um uh coalitions every time they need to pass a law uh, so he just wants uh, a majority um uh, cabinet um he's also the one who is uh, uh very willing to uh, you know shift opinions if that's necessary yeah. uh, to hold a coalition together so yeah he's just the perfect man for that yeah. Um, but, but yeah we need another coalition partner yeah. and uh, currently the Kristenuni is the fourth coalition partner that would uh, 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 make uh, 79 seats yeah. so that's a majority which actually an, an increase on what the four parties yeah, have now it's true so quite yep. remarkable yeah. 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 But I don't see
0: it happening. I have to say. I don't no, see it No, I, I agree with you. I don't, yeah.
2: I don't think Daisy Sassestug wants to do it with Christian Uni. That would be my I guess. Think
0: Uni, I don't think Christian Uni will want to. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sorry. I think now, yeah. now Daisy Sassestug is stronger. I don't think the Christian Uni will, uh, will, will, will want to go back in because I think Daisy yeah. Sassestug will make more demands and so will the Christian Uni and it won't work.
1: Yeah. yeah. Nope. So then the next um, uh, possible uh, fourth coalition partner, and by the way, we assume that Sadia wants to rejoin the coalition, but they lost uh, quite substantially, right? So perhaps they don't even want to uh, uh, join the coalition, but we're just going to
2: assume that they will. I think it's a fair assumption. I don't think you're being unreasonable. That they will rejoin? Yeah, I I think so. Yeah,
1: because... Uh, because the CDR, they will, they always explain this as uh, they like to take responsibility. Uh, others, others would would call it uh, that they are power hunger. Yeah, uh, they They're always uh, if they are invited, they will join a coalition. Yeah, that's basically the story of uh, of the CDR. Do you think
2: they're gonna want the health ministry again? <laughs> they're in the
1: government. <laughs> He said that he's willing to yeah. do it again. He said Yeah, back. So, yeah he said he's uh, on for it again.
2: I think if I was the CDA and I was joining, I would force the health minister to be the <laughs> Veve Day, just so that you, so that you can be mad at the Veve Day instead of the CDA for all of the disaster. <laughs> because clearly, it's not getting any better. We're going to have to deal with like months of vaccine delays.
0: Yeah, the you only thing is, I mean, by the time the new coalition comes into power, it will be July, and the you know the vaccination will be almost finished.
2: Yeah. So then you would want the VVD to be what, social affairs, whatever ministry is going to have to roll out the like <laughs> Corona support packages, because that'll be the thing that people are going to be mad about for the next couple of years, I suspect.
1: Yeah. Finance and social affairs probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah the, the good thing about having a uh, motor block of 74 seats is that you basically need any other part, uh, partner, yeah, right? Just, any yeah. other p- a party can 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 join. Just but do you one. think the PvdR would want to uh, want to join the coalition? I think the Sestra would like that.
0: I think the Sestra would like it. I think has uh, worked with them before, um, and the, although you know, they didn't have a good result, um, they didn't actually go backwards either. Partly, mainly because really they, they they couldn't get any worse. But yeah, <laughs> I think it's a I think it's definitely an option. The pay for ADR, Um I
2: think if they get in and can make a big deal out of blocking this one year two year to one year uh veve reduction that the that Hoekstra has been talking about, or or some other kind of the conservatives want this, and we we sort of manage to get more things for the voters, more things for the workers kind of thing it could not it could be not a bad deal for them, I think yeah.
1: And it gets a majority in the Senate as well, which yeah. is important. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's also important. That's not essential, but that's uh, that's always handy, of course. Um, and I think even though uh, PvdA is a quite a relatively small party now, um, uh, they do have a lot of leverage uh, in the negotiations because they, they are essential for a majority. Yeah. So they can potentially uh, win a lot of points. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because
0: Peppi did have this deal um, with uh, GroenLinks that they would uh, they would go into coalition together or not yeah, at all. But, but, but do you think that's still? No, uh, I still don't. I, there's the next thing I was going to say that I think no. given, I don't oh. think that it's going to cost Liliana Plumen anything to to break away from a deal with a party no. that's lost half its seats.
1: No. It was already very uh, f- a very loose agreement, and yeah. nobody took it seriously. Um, uh, and now even more, indeed. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of GroenLinks, um, uh, that would uh, make a uh, coalition of. Uh, 81 yeah. seats if, uh, if GroenLinks would, uh, would join them. Uh, I do think that GroenLinks really wants to uh, join a coalition. They were really uh, preparing themselves for these negotiations. They have been pre- preparing for that uh, for months now uh, because they really felt... Uh, they missed an opportunity last uh, yeah. uh, last uh, mm. uh, coalition. Uh, they stepped out because of, uh, I believe it was uh, because of migration issues. Yes. Uh, but um, it was a record number of seats, and they could really have done something. And over the over the over the course of the four years, they uh, they they really started to regret that they uh, didn't manage to uh, to form a coalition with these uh, four parties. So they were already preparing for the next coalition uh but but yeah things have changed of course uh dramatically uh going down from 14 to seven seats are they still willing to do it um who knows
0: yeah, whether they want to, because you know, generally yeah. is a bad idea to go into government when you've lost uh, your seats, especially so badly as that. Um, uh, the CDR learned that, I think, um, uh, when they uh, lost in t- 2010 and went into that minority coalition with the But also, of course, the, the SA cloud was the one who proposed that deal with Labour. So I think it's harder for him to break that promise, to, to, to go in uh, as a uh, as like a uh, two-hander, right? Because, I mean, he's, he's yeah. going back on something that he, he, he very uh, eagerly proposed himself.
1: Yeah. Yeah and I I think the last um uh yeah plausible combination might be Ja 21 joining the coalition um, they have four seats uh, VVD might want to uh, might be happy to uh, to have them on board as well as CDA uh, and uh, uh, it would result in a coalition of 78 Ja um, 21 is of course a new party very inexperienced um, so uh, but they do have quite a, a substantial amount of seats in the Eerste Kamer it's not enough for majority but they have a lot of seats so they might be a, an in interesting partner as well
0: yeah but i don't think this would go for that i think they're too far no. apart on uh, on migration in yeah. europe
1: yeah 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 i agree
2: so what about this sort of hipper twin younger hipper younger brother volt that would give them enough just barely
1: yes but they are even less experienced yeah. than, uh, <laughs> than uh than than yeah in uh volt would make them oh i forgot to the yeah, would um uh make 77 yeah. so yeah that's that's a small majority but a majority nonetheless yeah but i also um,
0: think that wouldn't appeal to grotto because basically yeah. just, it's just extra seats for data statistic really
1: i agree yeah, yeah yeah indeed um and also not a very comfortable majority 77 is very little uh we started i believe with 76 yeah in uh, 2017 um and next thing we know, you, they, the, the cabinet lost its majority. So 77 might be a little bit too little, but who knows? Yeah. I also think it's going to be interesting to see what
0: happens with the cabinet posts. Because obviously, Daisy Des- now will have more ministers and they'll have to take some off yep. the CDR. And which posts are going to go? I mean, I think Hookstra is really vulnerable here. I yeah. think DCC6, given how badly he played it in Europe and DCC6 want to rebuild in Europe, I think they'll, they'll gun for him. They'll say, you know, he, he should be moved out of the finance ministry so we can make peace with the, the Italians and the Spaniards and we can go back to our uh, our holy homes in Tuscany again. <laughs> that's very
1: important. What yeah. <laughs> um, I think De um, Sesto might want to have the foreign ministry.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, a, I think uh, Kach, the, the obvious place for Kach is to step up from her... Post as uh, uh, as international trade minister and become a foreign affairs minister and replace Steph Block. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah definitely. Yeah, a- anything that replaces Steph Block <laughs> is an improvement. But Zijlstra uh, exactly. um, uh, most certainly is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is of course a very um, a prestigious post. So that could mean that they're gonna have to uh, leave the finance ministry, for example, um, to the day. So yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, interesting um uh, uh negotiation. But we haven't reached that point yet. We still have a lot uh, a lot of months to go before we can uh, we can uh, hand these posts out to um to the poppages. Indeed. Yeah. Who who, who stand yes.
0: to Populin even now for, for their new job. <laughs> exactly. I just want to use that phrase in every podcast from now on.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I <laughs> Oh god, I'm so glad this is why I podcast. expected you would.
1: Yeah, <laughs> That's all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast.dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. You can also back us on Patreon at patreon.com dutchnews.nl and earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. My thanks to Gordon Derek, and Molly Well. I'm Paul Peters and we'll be back next week.
2: I'm sorry but, did you pardon. say the average bidet
0: average per average number of cases per day yes i
2: think you i think first you said bidet though did i say average bidet rather i think, think so say it again yeah. then i don't, B- want, B- any, B- B- I don't B- want any B- B- i don't want
0: any trace of here <laughs> <clears throat> Got bidet bidets on the brain i don't know
2: you got the days <laughs> on the brain i, got, I have questions gordon